Welcome to the Runway VC Podcast, a podcast where we talk with experts and disruptors about how they're influencing the future of aviation and travel. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is your captain speaking. We are currently at a another episode of the Runway VC podcast. On this episode, we're talking with Crystal Brumfield, the CEO of the Airport Minority Advisory Council, or otherwise known as AMAC. During our conversation, Crystal and I talk about a few different things, including her journey to becoming AMAC CEO and her background, which actually doesn't include any aviation experience, but how she's using that to bring kind of a new perspective to the industry's issues. We also talk about how they're working with women-owned and minority-owned small businesses to kind of get them to be a part of projects that are going on at airports, some of the benefits that working with those types of businesses can bring to the table, but also some of the challenges that those types of companies are facing. Finally, we wrap up our conversation by talking about industry organizations such as AMAC as a whole and how they could be more relevant than ever. So without any further ado, here's our conversation with Crystal. Hey, Crystal, how are you? Good, good, Chris. Good to be here today. Thanks. We really appreciate you uh, jumping on and and having some conversation with us. Uh, So why don't we tell our listeners a little bit about you and where you came from and how you got into this role? Well, I started my career as a tax attorney. Uh, I worked for the Louisiana Department of Revenue uh, as a staff attorney, and then I moved to Washington, D.C. in 2009 uh, to work on Capitol Hill. I became the tax counsel for Senator Mary Landrieu, uh, who was my senator from my home state at the time. And uh, I was her procurement counsel on the small business committee. Uh, so your role in AMAC uh, is is a new role, uh, correct? You just started recently. Yeah, I'll make one year at our annual conference uh, this June. Okay. Can you tell kind of people a little bit about what AMAC is and, and what the goal is of the organization is? Sure. AMAC was started in 1984 as the voice for women and minority-owned firms. Uh, within the DBE and ACDB program. So Congress uh, enacted these programs and there needed to be an advocate to um, promote the programs and encourage participation. And that's the gap that AMAC fills. It encourages the expansion of women and minorities and contracting opportunities in airports, as well as in employment opportunities at airports across the country. Okay, so yeah, I would imagine your role is expanding more and more today uh, as the, uh, well, for lack of a better word, pressure (laughs) is put on bigger companies to kind of break out of the old boys club shell and and see some different kind of faces around. Yeah, you kind of, you see it in both areas. You see it in, definitely see it in the, um, in the contracting space where you see some of the large companies always getting the contracts. And so this program is really meant to encourage Uh, diversity in contracting, but you also see it quite a bit in the employment space and the executive space in the airport side. And you really don't see a whole lot of diversity in most cases. And we really want to change that and and really encourage women and minorities to really step up to those top level positions. Yeah. And I think that anybody that's been to an aviation conference, uh, even still, uh, is, doesn't have a hard time uh, seeing that there is a diversity problem uh, in the industry. So that's not a hard case to make. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Well, 
we're here to help improve. Yeah, yeah. So did you have any aviation background before you started with AMAC? You know, I didn't. I had no industry uh, experience before. I when I left the um, when I left the Senate uh, back in 2014, I went to become the vice president and chief operating officer at the DC Chamber um, because while working at the Senate. I met with a lot of businesses from across the U.S. who always spoke to the challenges and barriers that they faced in government contracting. And so when I went to the chamber, I really wanted to put on the lens of really operations and management of a small business so that I can kind of see what it was that they were experiencing themselves. So how has the transition been from kind of city and then even federal government experience to aviation? I think it's full circle, and the reason why I, I was so enthusiastic enthusiastic about coming to AMAC is because it kind of put all of my worlds together. Mm -hmm. and while I was at the Senate, I, while I was doing uh, tax policy, I inherited the contracting portfolio. And so I saw um, the management of the SBA of their 8A program and hub zone program and women-owned program, and also the service-disabled veteran-owned program how it was implemented and how it was carried out. And so that procurement experience really piqued my interest uh, in really understanding how it translated to aviation. And that's why I say it comes full circle because I have the federal uh, background and also now the procurement uh, and it's just in the aviation space. So the transition hasn't been as difficult as one might think. Okay, so, and is, and, were you familiar with how airports operate? I mean, you hear a lot just diff when you talk to people about the aviation and, and specifically the airport aspect of that is that um, airports are unlike any other industry. You know, they, they're unlike any other type run organization. And to some extent, that is true, although I think some of that is also a uh, we're better than the rest type, <laughs> type uh, attitude or, you know, nobody can do what we do type attitude. Um, but is, is, were you familiar with how airports run and is, and what has that catch up been like since you Actually, started? No, I didn't. I was not familiar. Uh, so the catch up really has been with the players, understanding who the players are, um, and really just getting my, getting my 10, 15 minutes to really mm -hmm. talk to them and understand the, their role in the process, um, and what they're experiencing. Um, besides learning who the players are, it's been, you know, the curve has been really understanding the subject matter mm -hmm. it is really specific um, as it relates to aviation. So just really doing a lot of reading and a lot of really a lot of my learning is coming from talking to my members and understanding their experiences. And when you say players, do you mean federal government, government officials, companies, airlines, that kind of stuff? Uh, really mostly the airport executives. Okay who they are um, because I'm not familiar with um, you know the airport world so just really mm -hmm. who the airport executives are and the different layers of management within airports okay so was this kind of turning to a new chapter in your uh, alphabet soup dictionary to just learn the, <laughs> the difference yeah you know I learned that I had to slow down uh, yeah. not everyone understood the, the acronyms that are used and then I wasn't expected to learn or to know them right off the bat mm -hmm. and so it has been you know just really learning what all of those acronyms mean and stand for have you felt that you kind of bring a different perspective to the industry in terms of uh, maybe approaching a different problem or anything like that I think so. I think it, it's a it's a different probably uh, a, a 
fresh perspective mm -hmm. uh, because I haven't come uh, from within the organization or even from within the industry. Um, I have a, a different lens. It's, it's, it's mostly a business lens, if you will, or sure. a regulatory lens from working uh, on Capitol Hill for so long. So I understand how government works and I also bring uh, relationships uh, with me from working um, in government and with businesses. Yeah, when I started a couple years ago, I mean, I didn't go to school for aviation um, and didn't know anything about airports before I started my career in, in the industry. And even today, I can see that um, the way that I approach certain problems, and not even just from an approach standpoint, but from an idea standpoint, and um, I feel like there are some people even in that are young professionals in their late 20s, early 30s that are already starting to get jaded with the, uh, oh, that's not how it's done type right. mentality. Um, right. Are you seeing that even more so in, uh, in, in the higher level meetings you're having? And how does that impact the way that new companies kind of get into the industry, especially companies that aren't, that don't look like, you know, companies that have in the past? You know, I have seen that, uh, but not as much as you would expect. I have seen an openness for being very innovative, and that's really what small and minority businesses bring, a very mm -hmm. innovative way of thinking about things, of approaching things. So I've seen an openness uh, to, to a new way of thinking uh, as it relates to the programs, the DBE program and ACDG program. In fact, we are, um, as you know, we have our annual conference coming up in yep. June we're going to have a session that really digs deep into what is the ACDB and DBE program? Um, what should it look like going forward for the next 20 years? And so how do we sustain the program and make sure that it remains viable? Sure. And what is, just for our listeners that aren't familiar with it, ACDB and DBE stand for? So DBE is the Disadvantaged Business Enterprise, and ACDB is the Airport Concessions Disadvantaged Business Enterprise Programs. Okay. And they're administered through the Federal Aviation Administration. I see. Known as the F. Yeah, <laughs> I think our listeners are, I think I, hopefully our listeners are familiar with at least the FAA. <laughs> yeah. um, so the difference between a airport concession DBE and a just a other, you know, the other, the plain DBE, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, would be what? Concessions are? Concessions are, are basically your concession stands, for lack of a better term. It is your stores within the airport. So if you walk through an airport and you see a restaurant, Mm -hmm. Or if you see a retail store, uh, such as a Sunglass Hut or Brooks Brothers, those are considered airports. Okay. Okay. Um, and so when you're looking at just kind of the word innovation, that is a big buzzword that's being thrown around. Everybody wants to be innovative, or at least they say they want to be innovative. Sure. Um, but innovation doesn't always have to deal with technology. You know, you right. see... Um, that every, and, and I'm writing a piece right now about every, about you're seeing airports have an obsession with their app, right? <laughs> every airport needs an app. We talked about that on a previous episode uh, that I had um, with another guest, but since everybody needs an app, because they think that's the easiest way to, to show people that they're innovative. Um, but innovation for me anyway, and for a lot of people also kind of like we talked about a different approach. We're, when you're working with disadvantaged businesses, and I don't, and and, and to some expects, I don't, I think disadvantage kind of 
puts a negative connotation on the business. Um, so when you're working with those DBEs, um, what type of new perspective are they able to bring? And, and how is that better, you know, an overall airport and more importantly trickles down to the passenger experience? Well, I say in a couple of ways, it's, it's better because one, when you're, when you're a, a small minority, a woman owned business, you're normally a local business, which means you're, you're hiring locally, mm-hmm. um, which means that's turning around the economy. You're paying into the local tax uh, base. And so that's really giving back to the community. So that in itself, I think is one of the big uh, reasons why a program of this, this magnitude is so important is because we have a really a local touch. This is our way to really touch our local community and hire some folks um, who really, just to be honest, they look, they look like us. Mm-hmm. You'll see that people want to do business with people who look like them. It's the same for hiring. You want to reach back into communities um, that really need, um, they need opportunities. Yeah. We don't always give them that. Yeah, I think that you're reading, especially now with the president's uh, talk about a new infrastructure budget, and the previous administration um, kind of put the falling in airport infrastructure on the map with Vice President Biden, his comment about LaGuardia a few years back. Um, that kind of kickstarted, or or I don't know about kickstarted, but it definitely opened up more than just uh, the eyes of more than just airport people to the aging infrastructure system we have now. From a local business and a DBE business standpoint, you're seeing airports move towards trying to give a more local experience to their passengers. So local restaurants, craft breweries are now popping up. When it comes to that kind of stuff, are you seeing a restaurant increase in local businesses, you know, trying to get into airports that otherwise wouldn't be in an airport? Yes. So we're seeing a great deal of that. And it's it's really intentional, Chris, uh, on the airport side. And it's brilliant, I think, to show really a local flavor within the airport and just really a local twist. Uh, we're going to see an increase in passenger, airport passengers. Uh, by 2027, we're going to spike a billion per mm-hmm. year. And so with anyone passing through an airport, uh, whether they're going to be there for a while or if they're just passing through, I think it really is smart on the pad, on the part of the airport to be attractive in the way to show what the local city or what the local economy has to offer. And we do that by showing off some of our local restaurants and some of our local businesses. Yeah, I don't think for a while, and I can't imagine how this would ever slip through city officials' uh, sites, but you know, airports are really, for especially for visitors, your welcome sign to a city. I mean, they're the first experience and the last experience you get for an impression. So, you know, walking through an airport and sitting down, you know, being from New Orleans, you and I both from Louisiana, everybody talks about how great the food is. Right. I can't imagine someone coming to New Orleans, spending their entire time, you know, eating these wonderful meals and then leaving the airport and, and the only thing they have is a subway or <laughs> something, right. you know, which is not the case. New Orleans airport's done a really good job of trying to get in different local airports. Uh, and I think the new terminal is going to do even a better job of that. You know, the people that are traveling now look, are different than what they were 10 years from now or 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You're seeing more women, you're seeing more minorities travel because those people are your business travelers. It's not just, you know, the middle-aged white guy who right. is 
walking through your airport now. And yeah, I don't think that they're, I think airports will continue to turn off the uh, sanitization of the airport, you know, where it's like, oh, it's all white marble or, you know, that, that stereotypical experience that you get and give it a little character, give it a little, not be afraid to say, hey, here's this new you know, Caribbean restaurant and in the airport and it's cooked and it's started by actually someone from the Caribbean. <laughs> Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. No, you know, it's funny because I was traveling uh, just before the Super Bowl and I was uh, walking through, I think it was Hobby in Houston mm-hmm. and they, they had a local jazz band. And it's funny because they had a kid who just happened to have a toy saxophone mm-hmm. who stood in front of the band and joined the band. Uh, by playing and so really it's inviting uh, to really to families when you have something like that within your airport. Now on the concession side let's continue kind of continue the conversation with restaurants you see some of the big players so I'm thinking of Cisco food not IT Uh, (laughs) and some of the other big food distributors that sure. kind of just do the big contracts with the entire air- airport and the catering. How do small businesses start to fill in? I think it really starts with an introduction and, and, and AMAC helps provide that. Um, it's really about awareness. And so we connect businesses, um, you know, large with small on different fronts. Uh, we actually have, uh, we're in our, in our annual conference where we are kind of pulling the two together. So mm-hmm. yes, the introductions are intentional and sometimes they're also organic so that the businesses can kind of get to know one another. And then the, that way they're developing their relationships. Another way is really directly with the airport, with understanding what's what some of the upcoming opportunities so that they can, businesses can better prepare themselves for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of a two-way street where we are just providing an avenue for an introduction and also for information so that when a company is ready for the opportunity, they're already prepared for it. What, I guess, new opportunities are you anticipating coming down the pipe? Well, we're seeing a lot of push towards a lot of uh, P3s or public-private partnerships. uh, And that's really a wave across the country that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that brings about a different type of opportunity that really businesses have to prepare themselves for. Uh, and we'll have we'll have um, sessions on that as well as our annual conference. Um, but that really is one of the many opportunities that we're seeing that is really new. Um, but there's still, you know, there's, there's still growth and expansion from every angle of every single airport that I've visited lately. And mm-hmm. so there are opportunities in concession, whether there is uh, you know, a new lease coming up or either a wing being expanded or a terminal being expanded. And so there's opportunities, I think, throughout the country, wherever you look, it's just a matter of being ready when those opportunities present themselves. So the P3, and that is, like you said, the new trend. Uh, it's, I think, a new buzzword that's kind of being floated around the industry. It's not a new funding source. You know, right. the P3s have been around for, for a long time. And for those who aren't familiar, the idea behind a P3 is basically the government kind of provides the infrastructure, whether it's the water or you know the utilities and all that, the shell, the land or the space, and then a private developer comes in and says, okay, we're going to rent or just lease out this space, but we're going to put all of our money into it. So the, the government gets out of the, the detail aspect of development. Is this something that the big players are still going to be involved in, in terms of, are they still going to control the money, the purse of it all? 
do you ever see a time where you know the small businesses can kind of jump from that gap from one to the other I do I do and so yes to both I do see where the large businesses will still play a major role um, it's I think it's just really the nature of things um, but I do see where there's going to be an opportunity for the smaller firms to play a role the BB firms to play a role and really it's really a, a matter of there being a comfort level uh, with the large corporations working with the smaller ones and also there is um, a need or necessity being intentional about working with smaller companies and a lot of our large members already do that they they have programs where they're mentoring uh, smaller firms uh, to help them grow and mm -hmm. or to help them help them to gain access as a new entrant entrant into a market and so we're here to really encourage the use of the minority and women-owned businesses no matter what the business model looks like if it's p3 or not we really want to make sure that we're keeping uh, an eye on using the smaller minority uh, and women-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, there, there's still definitely opportunity. It just has to be intentional, and we have to be a, a really a watchdog to make sure that it, it, it happens. Are you seeing, I guess, government officials outside of just the work that AMAC is doing, but airports and, and cities in general kind of taking more and more of an interest to get DBE and participation? We are in some instances. Uh, there are some uh, governments that are really excited and maybe even in some instances uh, requiring higher uh, goal than maybe even the, 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 the federal aviation is requiring. Mm -hmm. There are some cities and some states such as Maryland that has a very robust minority women-owned program. Um, and so we are seeing and we're hoping that it really catches fire and that other states kind of pick up where others are starting so that there is an interest to not just meet the goal, but exceed the goals. And again, just for our listeners that may not be familiar, um, all federal and mostly state money have some type of goal attached to the funding, correct? Where they have to have an X percentage of DBE participation for some sort. Is that kind of that the is, gist of it? That, that is correct. Yeah. For any um, airport, uh, commercial airport that receives federal funding, uh, they're in the aggregate, the um, the airports have to spend 10% uh, okay. with DBE, with DBE um, companies. Why do you think there is more attention being put onto DBEs? Is it because it's just what legally the states say they have to, you know, the federal government says, hey, state, you have to do this? Or are they kind of seeing a, a resurgence themselves? Um, I would say it's well a couple of reasons and the biggest one is i want to point to um, a report that came out from the faa office of uh, inspector general mm -hmm. or oig uh, where it's showing that there's actually a decline or a decrease in db participation and so while we are um, pr promoting uh, the use of dbes we're actually seeing a decline and it's for you know a couple of different reasons there's also a decline in the contracts that are awarded uh, to do DBEs. It has de decreased by 36%. So with that, that, there mean, that means that there's still some barriers that exist, Chris, is really what I'm saying. There's some challenges that I think the DBEs and ACDBs still face. Um, some of that deals with access to capital um, and, and, and other things. And so we're really going to try to tackle 
that in, in my tenure at, at, at AMAC is really to find out what those barriers are and find out a way to uh, eliminate them. What is the biggest roadblock you're hearing from your members? Is it access to capital? Is it networking? I'd say, I'd say it's a couple. It's really just knowing, being aware. I know hundreds of, to thousands of companies that are doing very well to, in federal contracting but have not even thought about um, airport concessions or airport. Oh, that's interesting. So really, it's, it's awareness of, of the opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, it's also having access to capital. I hear that probably most, more than anything. Uh, having the access to either get into the airport or to grow in the airport space. Uh, and so we want to do something about that. We want to work with lenders of different size, sizes and di different types so that we can get our companies um, the capital they need to be successful. Mm -hmm. um, and then it also deals with just really being certified. Every um, company that gets certified in one state, they have to get certified in another state. Mm -hmm. So really is that is that a good use of a company's time having to recertify again and again and again and again. Yeah. So we have to really be m mindful of what a business owner and entrepreneur has to face uh, besides just running their business. It's really also getting the access to capital and, and, and the use of their time being productive. I can, I appreciate the access to capital aspect of it. Um, Cause that's a business. That's a, that's a problem that a lot of small businesses struggle with. And now the DBE program, depending on who you talk to, has its advocates and its opponents, you know, just like a lot of governmental programs. Um, what do you say to the people that are, maybe don't buy into the whole idea of the DBE program as a whole and kind of say, well, every small business struggles with capital. You know, every small business struggles with the decision to pursue this opportunity, uh, you know, swallow the admin overhead or just continue to focus on revenue generating business? Well, we, well we, have, we have evidence, we have research that have showed that there are disparities, which is why we have a number of disparity studies that we can actually point to, to show that it is not just a problem for a small company, but it is more of a problem for a disadvantaged company, mm -hmm. a company that we face it more than usual than the usual small firm or the usual company. Um, and so that's the reason why the program is still important today is because we have disparity studies that show nationwide um, and we can pick many, many cities where we've had these studies to show that there is a disparity between mm -hmm. women and minorities and non-women and minorities. So kind of switching from the DBE and, and the assistance and the growth of and within airports, but talking about AMAC as a whole, as an industry organization, where do you see your fit? Are industry organizations as important today as they are now with things like networking and sharing information becoming easier and easier with the internet? I, do, I think that, you know, the internet and technology serves its purpose, but there's nothing uh, like a really a face-to-face -face meeting uh, with someone and really understanding and knowing who they are as a person. And that way, I think a lot of people feel more comfortable doing work with individuals. As it relates to AMAC, I think we are in industry associations in general. I think now we need we need them more than ever, uh, given that the, uh, the the president has announced his infrastructure package. There's definitely a need to continue the advocacy for a program such as the DBE program. Mm -hmm. um, we have to. Uh, we are the only advocate for diversity 
within aviation. Uh, and so AMAC really serves a unique purpose that not, a, not any other organization does. So without AMAC, then there, there really would not be a voice for diversity in aviation. There are several aviation organizations, and depending on what your role is or where your niche is in aviation, there's several subgroups and sub-organizations to that as well. There's always the argument that there are too many airports in the country. Does that same argument apply to industry organizations? I mean, are there too many of them out there that kind of spread the focus too thin? I would say, uh, you know, no. I'd say because we all have uh, our own lane, and I think together we show uh, a rainbow of what the industry is like. Um, mm -hmm. you know, AMAC is really all about diversity in contracting as well as in uh, employment at, at, at airports. Uh, you know, AAAE are the airport executives. Uh, ACI really shows the, the strength of the airport directors. And so I think there's a space and really a lane for each of us. And it's just important uh, for us to all work together because we can all really benefit from working with each other. The one thing with when it comes to organizations is the cost for membership. I would imagine that AMAC is in a unique position having when it comes to membership costs that you've got to be a little bit more price sensitive than the rest of them because your memberships are going to be small businesses, as you've said. Right. Um, how do you how do you work with that? I mean, how does that come into play when you're trying to develop programs and that kind of stuff that makes it as accessible as possible? Well, you're right. You have to be mindful that we are serving a population that is mostly uh, small business and that small businesses really sometimes are very lean and have really small budgets. And so we're mindful of that. But I think we have to have a value proposition that really shows the value of your membership really is the connection piece uh, where we're always introducing our businesses to opportunities, making them aware of upcoming uh, business opportunities. And it's really also providing the resources and tools to make them successful. Uh, and so we have a, a number of uh, workshops uh, and trainings where we're providing our members the tools and resources that they need to be successful. Uh, anywhere from the access to capital where we have banks, um, that will lend and understand the type of loans that our companies need um, to any type of uh, tax or research or uh, uh, wealth management type of advice. So there are different levels we know in the life cycle of a business. And so we want to make sure that we're providing something for a business at each step of that life cycle. And so you mentioned your annual conference is coming up. I would imagine that that's probably the big keynote event of the year for you all. It what is. are some of the things that happen at the conference? So our annual conference really is an opportunity for our airport uh, directors, our airport commissioners, our large primes, our small companies, and even our students and individuals to come together uh, in one place in one city uh, once a year to learn about the upcoming opportunities. So we're going to have airport airport outreach events where you're sitting and you're listening and you're learning about the opportunities. We're going to have business matchmaking where you're able to talk one-on-one uh, -on -one with the airport um, decision makers. Mm -hmm. We're going to have information about P3s. What does it look like? What does it mean? Where are we headed? Uh, we're going to have um, we're going to have some inspirational speeches from uh, Lori Barrett, 
who is an executive coach. And so he can help um, help us build a bench. Um, we're going to have networking opportunities where we're going to have a little bit of fun and we're going to, <laughs> you know, enjoy each other's company and really get to know uh, another person in a, a relaxed atmosphere. So it's going to be a little bit something for everyone, for our students. We're going to have Project Lift where they get a behind the scenes experience at the Space Center since we're going to be in Houston. Uh, and then we're also going to have um, a golf tournament, our annual fundraiser for scholarships for students. As well. oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, so a little bit for everyone, uh, for all different speeds. It's, it's for families. So um, come on out, bring your family, um, learn something, and let's turn this opportunity into a business-making opportunity. Nice. And now who attends the, the, the annual conference? Is it all minorities and women? No, actually, uh, you know, DBE stands for Disadvantaged Business Enterprise. So you don't have to be a minority. You don't have to be a woman um, to um, attend the program. Uh, it is for intended for them, uh, but it's for a little bit for everyone. Anyone who's interested in uh, aviation or anyone who's already in the, in the industry and just want to continue to stay connected can come. So airport executives um, are small mom and pop stores all the way up to your large corporations everyone is invited to attend so are you you said the large corporations are coming are they there are you seeing more and more of them trying to kind of expand their uh dbe rolodex i guess i do i do i do see them being more interested and really more uh energized about connecting with our minority and women-owned vendors and so we're there to make that connection uh, and so if they're interested in, in meeting them, then this is the perfect place to do so. Mm -hmm. So but we are seeing a push to really expand and not just, again, not just to meet that minority participation goal, but to exceed the goal. Okay. And how do you see AMAC evolving over the next couple of years, over your tenure? What are some of the goals that you want to get accomplished? Wow. So AMAC, I, I really want to see us grow our membership. Uh, I think there's some opportunities to attract uh, young entrepreneurs to the space by making them aware of the um, opportunities in aviation. AMAC, I consider, is the best kept secret. Um, mm -hmm. I've been in federal procurement for almost 10 years and, and had no idea about the, of the opportunity that the um, DBE program and ACB program provides, not just to the business, but again, also to the communities that they serve. Mm -hmm. um, so bringing in a new young entrepreneur or someone who's not been interested before, but also bringing in a different, um, a different demographic of entrepreneurs. So we're really targeting Hispanics and Asians and Haitians and, and just down the line, mm -hmm. really drawing them into it because really it is all about um, being colorful and uh, representing the whole minority population. Yeah, and I would imagine that comes back to kind of the same thing that you had starting last year uh, with AMAC is a different perspective right. to the industry. Exactly. Um, so is there a move or when you're working for the conference and as the organization in general, to mixing in the price and the costs and all those things that kind of go into it, one, way, one thing that Runway VC kind of started as one of the tenure, you know, one of the cornerstones is we wanted to make as low barrier entry as possible. Um, so is, is, are you seeing AMAC kind of using the internet and to distribute some of this information that you otherwise wouldn't get specific, particularly information you may get at a conference or something like that? 
Yeah, so we're sharing information that we have uh, internally, but we also, I think, do a really good job of sharing information about the business opportunities at airports across the U.S. Uh, and so if you're interested in expanding or if you're in a city like, for instance, Salt Lake City, mm -hmm. Utah, we talked to them earlier this week. If you're interested in, in, in an area like that, we have information about opportunities. Or if you're interested in a larger metropolitan area such as uh, Washington, D.C. or New York, we also have information on business opportunities at airports in those areas. So we try to do a good job of really letting our members know about opportunities across the country. And we do that in a variety of ways, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, we have our newsletter, um, but also um, you know, Facebook and other avenues so that we make sure that it's very, is, is handy whenever you need it and it's real time. Sure, sure. Well, just to kind of wrap up, I mean, I appreciate your time uh, and I, I don't want to take, monopolize any more of it, but what are some of the things that you see changing over the next five years when it comes to airports? Wow, changing. Uh, well, the biggest one, really the, the infrastructure of the airport, you know, it definitely has to change uh, because it has to keep up with the, the volume of passengers. That is the biggest change that, I, uh, that I, we're anticipating as an industry is that the, the volume of passengers will definitely pick up. Um, like you indicated before, the, the types of passengers uh, have definitely changed. We see uh, you know, younger people traveling and, and going places, whether it's for college or if it's for vacation mm -hmm. um, or to volunteer. And so really the volume is going to be the biggest thing, which is going to really cause uh, the airports to kind of keep up. Um, yeah keep up with technology, um, you know, keep up with the look and the feel and really keep up with what they're offering to make it attractive for uh, an individual to, to utilize their airport. And are you anticipating more airports announcing new terminals? I know that's the big thing. It seems like every year we get one or two, especially for the past couple of years, we've gotten one or two a year, you know, airports that have announced a new terminal. Do you see that being a trend? I do. I see that being a trend. I also uh, see new destinations being a trend. Uh, we've had um, a couple of our airports, um, for instance, Oakland, really kind of show that they're an yeah. international uh, airport and showing an international presence. And so they have more and more flights going out uh, internationally uh, than they have in the past. And, you know, same for uh, Seattle and, and uh, others that we're really showing that we have an interest in traveling, uh, not just domestically, but as passengers internationally. So the offerings are increasing. Yeah, I think that's actually an interesting point that I really hadn't thought a whole lot about, but uh, the smaller airports that are right outside the big cities are starting to see a resurgence in um, attractiveness. I think a lot of that may have to do with Southwest. You know, Southwest tends to pick uh, the Oaklands, the Hobbies, the midways of of the country uh to operate out of and sets the tone for new air, airlines to come in but it's almost like you get kind of a boutique airport experience yeah you do uh traveling and i mean i i in chicago i prefer to fly out of midway out of o'hare you know every day of the week just if, if nothing else because i can get from point a to point b in yeah. less than, you know, 10 minutes, uh, especially if I've got if pre-check line is non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's a way for the airport to stay competitive. Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, so, uh, and then the, the number of non-stop flights. Yeah. 
cross country. It, it, it really makes a difference for the traveler. And so we're going to see it uh, an increase um, just for the convenience of the passenger. Okay. Well, where can people go to get all that great information that AMAC uh, is putting out there? They can uh, visit us on our website. It's www.amac-org.com. Again, that's www.amac-org.com. And we'll have that link in the show notes as always. Uh, and you mentioned you all are on Twitter. We are. We're on Twitter. Um, I'll get the link for that as well. <laughs> Don't worry about having and it. Find us on Facebook as well as on uh, LinkedIn. Okay. And you also put out a pretty regular newsletter that, that people can sign up for. Absolutely. It's on our website. Uh, you can sign up for it, but it's a newsletter that we send out uh, bi-monthly. Uh, I'm sorry, bi-weekly. And you can get the latest information on uh, opportunities. Awesome. Awesome. We'll also include a link to the conference so that if anybody that hasn't already signed up and is interested in attending, they can learn some more information and, and kind of reach out to you. Please um, do. Yeah. It's going to be a great time. Well, Crystal, again, I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. And um, hopefully we can continue this conversation next year and the involvement of DBEs has reversed and has increased. Good. I look forward to it. Thank yeah. you for the opportunity. Thanks so much. Once again, I want to thank Crystal for her time. As she mentioned, you can learn more about AMAC by going to their website at www.amac-org.com, as well as catch them on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. All those links are in the show notes. You can also check out our website at www.runway.vc, and you can also check us out on Twitter at RunwayVC. No dot there. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you definitely do that. We're on most podcast players, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, etc. In fact, if you don't use any of those, you can see the entire list at runway.vc podcast. And if the one you're using isn't on that list, or if you just have any other comments about the show, reach out to me on Twitter, just Chris Grow, that's C-H-R-I-S-G-R-O-H, or you can email me at chris at runway.vc. As always, we want to thank Bruno Massone for the intro music. Bruno makes some great music by incorporating aviation sounds into instrumental songs. You can check out his website at www.brunomassone.com. That has all the songs that he's created on there. Uh, we've got that linked in the show notes as well. And lastly, we want to thank Cutchins & Grow, uh, an airport planning firm that without, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast if you're an airport that needs help with something like your DBE program or anything else like forecasting, master planning, even independent fee estimates, uh, make sure you check out their website at www.cutchins-grow.com. That's K-U-T-C-H-I-N-S-G-R-O-H.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one.